0: The first time I heard the word kinky, I had to be in like high school or something like that. And I never really knew what it was. I think for a large amount of my life, I equated being kinky to being freaky. They were just synonymous. I started my whole journey in 2021. like right in the middle of the pandemic and I started to explore myself. And that's when I began to ask myself specific questions about like, oh, well, what does this truly mean? People use words all the time without knowing what it means in a broader context, but also for themselves as an individual. And I began to think about myself as it related to whether I was kinky or more so freaky or did I have any fetishes? What does this mean? What are my fantasies? I just wanted to explore everything. Right. And I. I. Last year, I stumbled across uh, Exotica, which was one of the uh, stepping stones for my sex coach journey. But uh, being exposed to so many people within the space allowed me to expand my thoughts on what it meant for me personally. And again, it's like I'm surrounded by so many people in this amazing community, this amazing sex positive community. And I just wanted to learn more. So I think... It's super important for you to understand the difference and the nuances between being freaky, being kinky, having fetishes, what does that look like? What is a healthy way to express those things? And uh, we are basically gonna dive into black bodies exploring kinks and fetishes today. It's your freak hostess, Jody, and you're tuned into Provocative. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. I will marry a nigga off some dick. Because everything else we can work on. And I have uh, sporadic periods of excessive masturbation. I really like how that just sounded. If I fuck you once and it's good, I'm going to keep fucking you. Because I didn't start sucking dick until college. Blew in that man's butthole. (laughs) That that shit is wicked.
1: That shit
0: And I am super, super, super excited. To have Jessette and Jasmine on the show with me today, you bri- you guys can probably hear it in my voice. I am smiling ear to ear because when I tell you guys she inspires me, she truly inspires me. So I'm gonna hand it over to her to introduce herself.
1: Hello, hello! Thank you so much for having me on, and thank you for your kind words, and thank you for expanding your knowledge and your you know your own lived experience in um, in kink and all things sexy, and then sharing it with others. Like, that's the best that we can do. And I know you're out there inspiring other people to do the same. Oh, thank you. Absolutely.
0: Tell the people a little bit about yourself or anybody that is unfamiliar with the amazing Jet Set Jasmine.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. So um, I am the co-owner of Jet Setting Jasmine Education and full-service entertainment, um, specifically sex education and sex entertainment, also the co-owner of Royal Fetish Films. Both I own with my partner, King Noir, he's my life partner, my business partner, my partner partner, my baby daddy partner. (laughs) And um, I think it's important to share, we do have a family of four children and um, raising them in our sex-positive household, sex-positive parenting household. We go around the world speaking about what it's like to be both adult entertainers and parents um, and how we use that experience as sex-positive adults to raise children that are growing up without shame, um, without the sexual trauma and generational trauma that we have come to know as as adults and and sort of like what our experience has been like shedding those things. Mm -hmm. We also do all kinds of workshops as it relates to BDSM, kink, and um, as well as production safety. I am a licensed clinical therapist. I'm the owner and lead therapist of Blue Pearl Therapy. So yes, I am one of the very few forward-facing mental health therapists and also porn performers and sex educators. So we do a whole lot. We make films, we make erotica. We're an award-winning company. We also take people on amazing retreats um and do one-on-ones to large group trainings where we help people explore their fetishes in a safe and healthy environment
0: y'all heard everything she just said (laughs) that's that's why i tell you guys she inspires me like i'm a mom i started this Mm -hmm. brand um actually back in i want to say it was november 1st of last year i was in my first published a news article where I talked about mm-hmm. how I do, I have a 10 year old right now and mm-hmm. we do talk about age appropriate sexual things because she is, mm-hmm. you know, she's at the beginning of puberty and she's beginning mm-hmm. to like boys. And I want her to understand that there is no shame. You should not feel mm-hmm. like, Oh, I, I can't go talk to my mom about this. I need to go to someone else. Like I'm, I'm your person you should be able to come to talk to me about anything and feel safe in doing so and you know even with me becoming a sex coach it was more so not only did I have to figure out what my relationship to sex was and dissect Mm -hmm. that and you know heal any shame and you know uh belittling thoughts towards me expressing myself in a way that felt freeing and liberating and not binding to anything
1: um mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. so that
0: i can share that with her because i did grow up in a household where and i'm actually going to start a series about this I, it's been a thought okay. this week so y- this is like the first reveal that i'm going to do this but i'm going to do a no. series where i talk about um the, i want to say the title of the series is going to be sex talks i wish i had with my mom And it's going to just kind of I'm going to go into those things. And I talked about it a lot in season one where I had to kind of dissect this feeling of I don't want to do these things because I don't want to be seen as a hoe. But what I later realized in my life was like, it doesn't matter what you do this way or that way. It's not about your actual actions when it comes to being seen as a hoe. It's about what people perceive you to be doing, not what you're actually doing. And once I was able to, you know, do that, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to take this word hoe and I'm going to embrace it. For me, it was such a liberating thing because. Again, nobody knows what I do. All you know is that I took this word and I branded it and I made it my own. And I do not feel I don't feel ashamed about this word. Right. It's a trigger word. And I feel like when words trigger you, you have to take an internal look. Why are these words triggering you? Why do you feel that this is a bad word? Because it's just a word. And if you know that the same way words are given power, you can take that power away. It's all energy, right? So whatever energy that someone put into that in that word, how are you going to take that back and reclaim it for yourself? So, Mm -hmm. um, again, I talked a lot about this on season one, um, but I don't think I went as deep as I could. So I'm going to I'm going to explore that. The first thing I want to ask you, though, is Mm -hmm. how did you how did you get started? like were you already into the kink and fetish kinda industry before meeting your partner? Was it after did you guys like kind of explore this together? Is that how you met like let's just you know how did how did you get here yeah so
1: um, yes and no, it's kind of interesting that you know we don't just wake up and go like, you know, I'm gonna be kinky <laughs> <You know? It's laughs> right. Like, um you know, you kinda you kinda develop your your own sort of sexual personality as you grow and develop all other aspects of your personality. Right. And then you start to learn like, oh, I'm either I'm different in this way or oh, everybody doesn't do that or mm-hmm. everybody doesn't want to do that or pockets of people get down like this, you know. So um I I don't think that my journey in terms of learning about um sort of my kink personality is any different than anyone else's, I just really took to allowing myself to explore it mm-hmm. um, and got very serious with that in my early 30s. So I was probably right at the end of my 20s, just sort of like, you know, I've always had this energy um, about myself and I'm very much like you you know there's been a lot like oh that's hoish behavior or, that's too mm-hmm. freaky or that's you know all of those kind of things and at some point you know you realize that and as i did that none of those things hold any weight anywhere like you know whether someone thinks that or not it really doesn't help me further my career yeah. um doesn't help me pay my bills it doesn't help anything that's I was finding to be really important as I was entering my 30s, all, none of that feedback had any type of weight on those things. So it was like, oh, OK, well, now that I've learned and none of this doesn't matter, I might as well go ahead and try some of these things. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had previously danced at a couple of clubs because I was a dancer, a um, By trade, just like, you know, ballet and modern and and Uh (laughs) and the things that you like put your kids in over the course of their school years. I've been doing that already. And then, like, I wanted to be, I wanted to add that sexual kinky personality to it. And there was money involved. So, like, that's also one of my, like, the intersection between sex and money is also another one of my kinks. So it was like Mm -hmm. this. Um, dipping and dabbing in these little clubs here and there was like satisfying something for me. And so, you know, I had that experience already and I didn't even understand it as a fetish. I kind of just, I uh, experienced that like, oh, that's like, like me being on some bad girl shit, you know? Right. And so, um, as I started to just, allow myself permission to explore all of these different fantasies I started doing toy parties I was like oh I want to have a toy party and then I had one and I was like oh I could do that I could do that much better than that person did uh-huh. <laughs> um, so let me do that and then you know I want to learn pole oh I love pole I can teach this you know and so I started to allow myself to be really a uh, medium between the things that I wanted to explore and my friends and so I was like, okay, I want to bring this to all my friends. So let me let me buy this pole and I'll do a pole party. And they'll invite their friends and they invited their friends and then their friends were like, can you come and do that for me and my friends? So, you know, it just, it, it sort of t- took a life of its own and I did not stop it. And on that way, um, on on the way, my I met my partner. Um, mm-hmm. We actually met on a podcast, which is why I never turned down a podcast because you <laughs> never know. <laughs> that is amazing. It changed my life. Who you're going to meet? Who you're going to talk to? Um, and and why I I hope that we'll always have our podcast um, because it is it is just so special to us. So I met him on a podcast and interviewing him. He was already in the industry. He was already. Um, pretty fully engaged in in sex work, and, and at the time he was like sort of toying around with it, um, mm-hmm. going back in it, and he was sharing with us the um, he was sharing with us what it's like to be someone that is in sex work and um, some of the challenges and the benefits of having a relationship with someone that is a sex worker. Right. And in this conversation, everything that he was saying about sex work was. Like it was fine, it was great, no big deal. Like I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that. But it was, as he started sharing other layers of himself, like that he had built a freshwater well and a school in West West um, West Africa. He had um, taught at the London School of Economics about the um, implications of uh, of black music and um, and like all these, and I'm like. Okay, so here is a multifaceted person who shows up in so many different ways and also does this adult industry stuff mm-hmm. And I really, really resonated with with him because it killed so many stereotypes that I had about people in the sex work industry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and although you know it was the other thing that was really interesting is that I having worked in a couple of clubs prior to this discussion with him like I had really very interesting strippers you know like they have, you know people studying for different things people having past lives you know c- concurrent lives um but i think in that environment it was rare that i was interacting with them outside of the club environment mm-hmm. so we are, were all in our character for the most part mm-hmm. you know um and in this particular instance when i was having a the Discussion with him, I'm like coming at this with my therapy hat. Help, like understand. And you know, he's <laughs> let's unpack like, that. <laughs> let's unpack that, right? And, you know, and he's just like firing back, like, "Nah, you need to unpack that, <laughs> right?" You know. And so I remember at the end, feeling that, that there was that conversation, and then there was also a conversation about how sex workers um, tend to have better sexual health than the general population, based on. Um, the openness and honesty uh, around sexual health, the um, higher um, higher rate of testing, and so you know, it's like that part was also very intriguing to me because mm-hmm. what 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 it, like sort of like lit my light bulb, especially around Cape, is I was like, I can try a lot of these different things that I'm interested in in a community that. Um, I can be open and honest and transparent and Mm -hmm. probably have safer sexual experiences with, Mm -hmm. I can have like it specifically in porn. I can craft fantasies without having to worry about like going on a date with a person, meeting their parents, Mm -hmm. worrying about if we're going to be in a relationship or not, Like (laughs) you know, Um, I can sort of craft some of these sexual activities that I'm, very interested in, in a safe, open and honest way. And again, bringing it back to my relationship with kink and money, sex and money and how that is a turn on for me. So yes, that is how we got that. That's the, that's the early days, early stories. We started touring, doing parties together. Um, We started making films. Our first film, our first professional film that we put out won an award and so we knew that, I mean, we we thought that it was beautiful and that we were onto something, but that we knew that we had something that was a, a product that was really going to be consumable right. um, to the general public. And that was a positive, like, and, and we were kind of like, if this is our first film and it's being this well-received, imagine if we really, like, sort of put all of our energy into this highlighting Black folks. Um put our own like really put our own stink on it and here we are 11 or 12 years later
0: oh my goodness that is amazing so many gems that you just said i was literally just like taking notes while you were were talking just writing stuff down to make sure that I, (laughs) i address every amazing thing that you said but um i think what's super important about what you said was that we have to give ourselves permission to explore And in order Mm -hmm, for you to mm -hmm. give yourself permission to explore, you cannot be ashamed. You have to heal that shame first and then uh, give yourself permission. Like it is okay. It is not the end of the world. To your point earlier, people's opinions about your life and the way you sexually express yourself, they bear. There's no weight there. There is no weight. There is no Mm -hmm. meaning there because at the end of the day, people should Live a life that is fulfilling. And if you mm-hmm. your fulfillment is based on other people's perceptions, that is that is a world I don't want to live in. First of all, that is great. Right, right. <laughs> but also it's it's a world where you're you're just depriving yourself. Like, that's literally, you're living in a constant state of deprivation, and that is not satisfying. We should have quality experiences, and we should be open and free to explore those things. So, definitely, permission to explore. Something else that you said was that you were having your interview with your partner and you guys were talking about sex work as it relates to relationships and how sex workers have better sexual health because of honesty and, you know, openness and frequent t- testing. And I think that's something that is still lacking in our community because we don't want to be honest. We are still very much ashamed of exploring different things and we don't want our partners to judge us. So being in Mm -hmm. in, in, and being with someone that you're able to be open and honest with Uh, It's super Mm -hmm. important because that's that's where trust comes from. Right. I think a lot of people if you feel like you have to hide certain parts of yourself from your partner, especially when it comes to sexual desire, do you truly trust them? And Mm -hmm. it is okay. Mm -hmm. People are afraid to ask that question. Like they, oh yeah, trust them to do this. Like it's, it's a contingency, right? But do you Mm -hmm. trust them fully sexually? And I know at least for me, there have been instances where I have met guys and within the first couple hours of a conversation, I've been able to establish a sexual trust. And I know Mm -hmm. that I can Mm -hmm. trust them because we're open and honest. They're telling me their stories. I'm telling them my stories. There is no reason to lie to each other. And I think oftentimes the issue is that our egos prevent Mm -hmm. us from giving ourselves uh, permission to even, you know, attach ourselves to someone that is so open and honest about their, you know, sexual expression, Mm -hmm. right? Because the ego, Mm -hmm. the the ego's only job is to prevent us from being uncomfortable. And if this person is over here radiating this amazing sexual energy, and they are open and honest, and they're like, I do sex work, and I do this, and I do that, that can make a lot of people uncomfortable. But sure. I also think it goes back to that initial point of if that makes you uncomfortable, you got to unpack that shit because yes. it has nothing to do with the other person. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, yes, that is so true. And I, I think what you're saying is really um, is really spot on in terms of like, you know. It's, it's OK if we don't if we're not compatible in a particular area. It's okay if there's a deal breaker. We're literally talking about optional relationships, right? One of the things I think is really, um, really beautiful that I learned as I've gotten further, further along in my journey in, in kink and sex education in general is so that oftentimes when we think about like consent, right, we, we sort of like relegate that to specifically when an act of touching each other is going to take place. But I like look for consent so much earlier in my relationships and conversations with people and partners that I'm interested in. And like even starting from the very beginning, like, can I tell you more about, you know, what are my boundaries around, um, around dating right now? What can I share more of with things that I'm interested in? Will, um, will you be? Can you be honest with how you feel about these things? And I think one of the things, well, I think I know one of the many things that have helped with my partner and I having such a sustainable um, and long term relationship that is because. We never committed to meeting each other's every single need, and we kind of look at like the sort of like the world is up is is for us to enjoy um, in so many different ways. Like pleasure is ours; that's a part of our freedom, and it doesn't have to come specifically from me to him and from him to me. We just have to be able to talk about it. we have to be able to discuss what is that pleasure? Um, Who can meet it? How can we have it met safely? How is it going to have an impact on whatever we have going on, if anything at all? Nine times out of 10, it doesn't. And, you know, I think when we sort of, instead of like giving each other permission to just like touch right there or to, you know, be in a committed relationship, I think that we can also give each other permission to have pleasure. You know, we can commit to, to experiencing a life of pleasure and then we're not closing ourselves in because we also grow. Like the things I was into when I was sharing with you, when I first got into um, my kink, my, more of my professional kink journey, I'm not even interested in anymore. I'm like, on oh, some other shit? <laughs> if we didn't have this, per- this permission to grow in, in our pleasure... Um, and you know, and our kinks and all this other kind of stuff, he could potentially feel, you know, um, like slighted or, or like um, hoodwinked or like you know, like he didn't. Or and same, same for me. Like I was misled, and it's like no, that's not it. People change, people grow, and people can change their mind. And I think that's the other piece too. Is Sometimes it does take people a little more to, to open up because maybe they've been hurt when they've opened up before. Maybe they have been mistreated based on their kinks, based on their sexual presentation. Um, We don't, you know, we don't know all of those things. So I think even if we can, we can be honest with that, like it takes me a while to warm up about talking about the things that I like. You know, and I hope that I can build that trust and that safe space in you, and then you know, and then, as the receiver of that, we open ourselves to I'm going to always be learning about new things about how this person is. Can I trust myself enough to be a safe spot a safe spot for that person and be able to say, "I can't do that for you or well, I'm happy to help you with that, but I'm not going to interfere with your ability to to experience pleasure.
0: Yes, oh my God. Like, again, I am. Uh, I am just so amazed and so inspired by you, too, because I think that is something else that is missing when it comes to relationships, irregardless of whether you, ch- you know, where you are in your sexual journey. When it comes to mm-hmm. being with someone, we say, oh, I want to be your person. I want to be your safe space. Right. But then we want to mm-hmm. regulate their pleasure. But we would not mm-hmm. want them to regulate our pleasure. That literally makes zero sense whatsoever. And I think yeah. that that kind of separates the people that um, I refer to myself as hetero flexible. Um, I also refer to myself as you know non monogamous, mm-hmm. and you know I just because here's the thing, everything is almost like well it depends, right? It's it's very situational for mm-hmm. me. But at the heart of it, it's. Am are we truly being ourselves in the moment, right? And um, mm-hmm. I think that's why you know you you run into certain people where they they say stuff like, "Oh, I'm in. I'll I'll be up for a threesome, but not with my partner." Why? Mm-hmm. it's because mm-hmm. of your ego it has no other like I don't even ha- like regardless of what answer they give me it's gonna come off as the reason you have a problem with it is because of your ego if you you want them to exp- to experience pleasure to the extent that you can control yeah you want to place rules on them so you want to regulate their pleasure but you would not want that in return that's not something that you would say like oh yeah I want to experience regulated pleasure like
1: what? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, going to <laughs> what is that? <laughs> right, <laughs>
0: right. Like, oh no, that's too much pleasure. I don't want. Like, no, you would not want your partner to say, "Oh, you can do this," but no, you can't. You have to stop here. You have to stop before it gets good. Like, and I think mm-hmm. that's what a lot of a lot of people don't realize is that their ego is, you know, limiting them to the extent that they could fully experience something. And then I, f- I also feel like you do not know what you truly like until you're you give yourself not only permission to explore, but you also allow yourself to fully experience it, right? You if you ha- if there are limitations yeah. on it, then how do you know that you truly had a good experience because you did not experience it to its full potential?
1: Mhm. Mm
0: -hmm. The fact that you said, you know, permission to grow in pleasure, I think is so important. We would have had these conversations maybe five years ago. I probably would Mm -hmm. not feel the same. But because of where I how much I've been able to evolve in the past two years, in particular, as a person Mm -hmm. as a sexual being, I think very Mm -hmm. differently now, like if you had asked me would I be Mm -hmm. open to a non monogamous situation five years ago, I probably would have said no, but that also would have been my ego talking. But now yes, that yes. I have healed mm-hmm. those parts of my ego that I know were literally like, it's not, no, you don't have an issue with this. What you have an issue with is lies. It has nothing, you exactly. want honesty. you like, and I would rather share a pleasurable experience with my partner. or even um, I tell people this, like, okay, if your partner is into something, right, and you say mm-hmm. you love them, that, that's what you say, right? You say you love them. They are your everything, whatever. Mm-hmm. Do do Are they still able to explore something that fulfills them, even if you have no intention on being the source of fulfillment? Because I think that is an important conversation yeah. to have. So it's like, yeah. okay, you said you're not into this, but they are. Now what? What are you going to do as their partner, as their, their, their safe partner? their safe space their person right Uh, because Mm -hmm. I don't want you to feel deprived and I think Mm -hmm. once I realized that um, I didn't want to be in situations like that now I am very particular about like the types of conversations I have with certain people because I can I immediately know if you're like in my group of people you know it's like Mm -hmm. are you Mm -hmm. because do we have similar mindsets um, yeah. will you be honest with me or are you going to lie because you want to regulate and control me and manipulate me and think that we're on this page when you're really somewhere mm-hmm. else? And, right. <laughs> and that that serves, that, that serves <laughs> us no benefit. I'd rather be open and honest and find out that you are not a part of my tribe. And then that I'm freeing you to go find someone that isn't your tribe in the same way that I'm freeing myself To go find someone that's in my tribe because we could easily look we could we could say look we could fuck today and then never talk again if that's really you know how we want to play this but in terms of long-term sustainability and longevity it will not work because oh when the sex is good all of the other issues it's like it's almost like okay you kind of forget about them right but what happens when you really want this you want to explore something sexually and then everything else ain't going right either. I'm finna bounce. Yeah, it's like...
1: I'm yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You are so right. It, it is really... Um, you know, I think when you talk about that ego, right? It, it is so important to check it, check it, check it, like constantly. Why am I... Why am I responding this way? Why does this make me feel this way? What about this person meeting their needs? Is it bothering me? What about me not somehow? What is it about myself that makes what they're saying have an impact on my worth? Meaning I'm not enough. Like, I'm plenty. I'm plenty. I'm plenty. At all times, I'm enough. I'm always enough. Whatever you're asking for, whether I can do it or not, I'm still enough you know it that, that doesn't take a, it doesn't take away from my worth i think also yes, you know totally um, um
0: and i think that's what a lot of people are afraid of like you know again i'll go back to you know threesomes and group sex in general when you bring mm-hmm, other people mm-hmm. around now you feel like it's a competition now you feel like yeah. oh, wait what if they like it better no when you have a part when you have a partner and your connection is healthy and safe and strong nobody can interfere with that more often than not you guys as a as a as a partnership as a a a unit will mess that up quicker Mm -hmm. than an outsider Um, Mm -hmm. you have to you have to really understand that your ego has no place when it comes to, you know, exploring and giving yourself permission to explore pleasure. What do you think the real difference is between
1: kink and fetish? So, great question about kink and fetish. Um, uh, The way that I like to describe it so that there's can sort of be a visual is like, think about kink being a big umbrella. And we, um, the word kink in itself is so subjective because with kinky to one person, maybe like, totally normal boring disgusting distasteful to another person um but the way that we pretty much define cake is like based on the society and the culture that you live in so you know um i'll give you an example when my um my children and i we took a trip to greece a couple years back and um people sunbathe topless and most of the most of the women had on um, song bikinis because they're focused on getting a tan and like enjoying feeling the the sun on their body and um when you're in a particular in particular environment, your body is not being sexualized in the same way as it maybe would be in your bedroom or something like that. So, you know, the way that our group was experienced is like, oh, my goodness, like, they're so kinky. So you really want to look at it from the perspective of, like, the culture that you are a part of. Anything that goes against the what would be considered norm of of sexual expression. Um, and so in this country, it is pretty, pretty conservative. Um, and obviously, there are other countries that may appear to be more conservative than how we are here. Um, and so again, the subjectivity around k- what is kink and what is not. So, so is, I'll frame this based on here in the U.S. So we have this umbrella of kink and under the umbrella are several different acts that may go against the grain of what the society thinks is normal sexual expression or typical sexual expression. So under that umbrella are fetishes, lots of different fetishes. Fetishes can include Bondage, domination, sadism, masochism, which is, you know, our friend BDSM. And so that is a, that's actually four fetishes that feed under that kink umbrella. Someone may have a foot fetish, a fetish in where they can only experience or they only are more likely than not experience a se- sexual arousal with this um, objectification of the foot. Uh, the sexual objectification of the foot, or they might have a lingerie fetish. And so all of those fetishes roll up into the kink umbrella. So if someone says to you, like, "I, I cannot, like, I do not get turned on unless my partner is in lace and leather, then it's like, okay, your kink is a lace and leather fetish. Does that make sense to you?
0: Yes, yes, it makes perfect sense. Um, I had uh, awesome. I was at Exotica Miami and I mm-hmm. had uh, met a dom out there. Amazing guy. He runs DNA Kinks, uh, Sir Leo. Okay.
1: And okay.
0: there's this BDSM uh, quiz that you can take to see where you kind of fall along mm-hmm. this spectrum, right? And after mm-hmm. I took the test, it, was, it wasn't it was like it was something where it was like, oh my God, I can't believe that this is like my, my fetish. It made perfect sense. Like everything as like, as I got my results back, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, oh, I'm a bratty sub, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a switch. Oh, I'm an exhibitionist. Like all of these things <laughs> made perfect sense to my personality and also based yep. on the things that I've done. Like I tell people that uh also I have this kind of thing where um and I guess it it is a fetish where it's like the da- like the the borderline danger associated with something gets me off as well so like Mm -hmm. for example you know people talk about like oh having sex outside i'm like yeah i've had sex while driving and i'm like (laughs) that was like doing that was like the like of course the guy that i was with he was like you are freaking crazy and i was like just lay back Keep a hard dick That's all I need From you right now And It was a really Good experience And I'm like No He was like We're gonna crash I'm like Stop talking like that If you think like that Then that's what's gonna happen <laughs> That is not how This is going I'm telling you How it's gonna go You have to trust me And he did trust me Because we were Very successful Along Lakeshore Drive In Chicago So
1: it was <laughs> I love it. <that. laughs>
0: but I know That that's something Where it's like You know Doing something Where it's like oh Oh my god we're not supposed to be doing this but I really want to do it um and yeah I think it's super important even I t- um I actually after I took the quiz I sent it to like all of my friends and I'm like I want to know how kinky you are love it <laughs> I wanna, like I want to know what you're into so now um <laughs> mm-hmm. It's funny because we have a joke on like uh, FC Network, which uh, is the uh, home network of Provocative and there are multiple uh, podcasts under FC Network, of course, but we kind of say like, you know, on a scale of Vanilla to Jody, where do you fall? (laughs) <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so I think we all unanimously agree that I am probably the kinkiest, wildest person on the team. There are some close second and thirds, but I have taken the cake. So that is a title that I wear proudly. And after that Absolutely. I was like so then literally after that I'm like, Okay, everyone, you guys have to call me the freak hostess. Like
1: <laughs> I love it. Yes, yes, yes.
0: like an instagram photo where you were like uh pumping breast milk and i was like oh my god that's gonna be me (laughs) like like how do you make breast milk sexy like i absolutely love it and that's the thing too and it's like i don't want to go off too much on on a tangent but the idea Mm -hmm. of pregnancy you get pregnant and then your life Mm -hmm. is over it's like like, wait people that are pregnant still want to have sex that's how they got there (laughs)
1: exactly exactly let me let me shed some light on that and i'll bring us i'll bring us home so um i yes i wanted to make sure if i was going to go all out with being a forward-facing sex worker a mom a therapist you know all all the things that make me who i am a black woman like everything um that i showed all of that all those aspects and you know, the the interesting thing has been is, like, people have been able to identify, like, oh, shit, like, that, I didn't know that was hot. Like, oh, okay, and it's okay that it's hot. And there's other people who think and feel like that. And even for me, it's been, like, I think it's I think it's like a superpower. Like, look what my body can do. Like, you want to see it squirt? You want to see me shake and convulse and all this other stuff? Look at this. I also do this, (laughs) you know. Um, And it's funny because, like, yes, my my breast milk is designed specifically to feed, nourish my children, and you know, to to help them grow strong. However, and and, not even however, and when I am sexually charged um, or pre orgasmic and orgasmic, I also release that breast milk. And so it is, you know, it is still a function um of my body that expresses itself when I am sexual. So I I can make that connection. Um and then you know, some people are like, Oh, to sexualize your breast milk. It's like I'm not sexualizing my children, um, or even when I am breastfeeding. No. But the fact that, like you know, we get chills through our body all like all through the day. You can get a chill over anything when you're scared, when you're excited, when you're cold. But there is something amazing when you get a chill through your body when you're having sex. So the body can do a, a lot of the same things for a lot of the same things for different reasons. And that was one of the that is one of the many ways that I like learned um you know about uh, about the way my body expresses sexual pleasure when i was breastfeeding specifically and then also the changes that your body goes through when you're pregnant postpartum it's like for me and my partner you're getting to experience changes in my body that like it'll never happen again (laughs) like the way my body feels after baby number four it feels different than after baby number two number three you know what i'm saying so it's like this is all um like my pelvic floor shifted and there's things that we're like, Ooh, like that, that didn't used to do that. This is interesting. So I, I have been very open to not just relegating the experience around pregnancy and being a mom to only having children. And that being the only benefit, although it is a beautiful benefit, is everything in the world to me, but it also means that something within me changed. Therefore I want to explore it at a deeper um in a deeper way, including sexually. So that's one. Um, yes, it is a kink. Yes, um, it is a fetish. Yes, people buy my breast milk. Um if if I was more comfortable with people um actually lactating from me, I would probably not have to work this year. I love it. But that. I am not <laughs> but I'm not because it is like it's almost the way that i feel is like i don't want anybody um eating from my like i don't want my kids eating from anybody else's spoon you know so i i do keep i do keep that area specifically to myself and, and in and their dad and them um but yeah that it, it is a huge fetish and i i love the fact like the desirability i love attention especially sexual attention i think like it makes me feel good you know i i, I definitely get my exhibitionist um off on it, and this is yet another way that I garner a specific type of attention from somebody that's just like, I don't get to meet bl- women that are breastfeeding and let me um see you know the the lactation or they can they show the their body expressing in this particular way, so it's rare there's not a lot of us um you know that are lactating and in sex work, and sharing it. And so, uh, the way that people gravitate towards it, it it gives me sort of a rush of attention. Now, that being said, I kind of want to bring us back to the title of of the show and and one of the reasons why you invited me here. A lot of these limitations that you and I talked about from how we feel about our own kinks, how we express them with the people that we're partnered with, um, how we express Pleasure, how we feel ownership sometimes of other people's pleasure and no ownership of our own. The way that we have these limitations of what we are allowed to do and in what order, like you had, like you said, you have kids and then your life is over. Um, you have sex and then you hoe oh, like all these different limitations that have been placed upon us is so tightly ingrained to how society has the society in which we live in um, has determined what is okay for us, specifically for black folks. Um, and our bodies have been a commodity in this, I don't even want to say just this country, honestly, because we live in a colonized world, but our bodies have been someone else's commodity. So permission has always been something that we've had to have, oftentimes from someone else with respect to where we go, how we go, how long we stay there, yes. who we with, what we're doing when we're there, how much we're going to make for them while we're there, and everything, our pleasure, was never for consideration. Our profit has always been for consideration. Woo! So, you know, and then this has obviously this trickle down, and this control trickles down into our school systems, right? So they you know, policing how how, um, specifically girls do this and boys do this, but we can talk about what we can't talk about, what we're taught, what we're not taught. And we're seeing that like in such a crazy new way. Well, not an old way coming back, um, right now in our schools. We see this in our institution of church where so many things that have absolutely no reference or relevance to the biblical text, um, are somehow Laws of our faith now, mm-hmm. and have you know put this control into how we how we see ourselves. We see this way in the institution of parenting, in the institution of even therapy. Of like you know, if I go in to, and I I definitely had my share where I go in to see a therapist and I say you know I'm dealing with some issues of jealousy. My partner is seeing someone new, and I'm feeling a little left out. Um, and even though you know, we've talked about it. I don't want him to end his relationship with that person. I actually just want to figure out what the hell I should be doing with myself. Like, what's up with me? And they're like, well, maybe you should consider monogamy. And I'm like, no, see, you know, that that's not what I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. And so again, it is like this um, constantly in all of these different institutions that we interact with being pushed a particular Container that we're supposed to live in so other people can either benefit from us or stomach us, like tolerate us. Um, and so I think it's really important when we are thinking about what it means to explore yourself sexually, to explore your kinks, to explore all these fun fetishes. Um, you know, your range from zero to Jody, like whatever those things are. I think it is so important for us to, to, to realize that a lot of our limitations are not our own. A lot of these limitations have been messages that have been placed upon us, or they have been things that have been institutionalized since the very moment that someone else took ownership of yes. our body, you know? And it's not its not a um, something is wrong with you, or it's not a, you know, why can't I just be like everybody else. I mean, I think when we have those thoughts, it, it, it gives us an opportunity to go like, well, what kind of social order has been put into place that I am actively defying right now? You know, our our sexual exploration is so tied to our human liberation. And so I, I can't say enough that when we think about our freedom, um, you know, if it, look, when we're having these conversations about race, that we don't leave off the table our sexual freedom because that has been like literally breeding black bodies, yes. okay? Breeding black bodies. So sex and sexual abuse, sexual assault, sexual mistreatment, sexual sex, human trafficking has been at the core of of our social ex- of our experience for so many decades. I think is. So important that when we think about and talk about liberation, that we consider our sexual liberation as a high priority. So that's my that's my 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 um if I could tie it all together today for you.
0: Yes, that was everything. That was everything for me. Um I I feel like again, we could have this conversation can really be a book. Um, I'm probably going to get started on it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But um, it really is, I think, once we begin to give ourselves permission to do things free of shame, mm-hmm. unapologetically. Fuck other people's opinions Okay. and truly live in your own being in your own universe. Because here's the thing. You are the main character in your world. You are the center of your universe. So on that shit, like if you into Mm -hmm. something, explore it. And it is okay because there, again, we don't want to live a life of sexual deprivation. That's like, it, that's, mm-hmm. that's super sad. Uh, nobody should, you know, feel that way, right? Um, we right. talked about so many amazing things. Um, thank you so much. I um, know I'm going to have to reach out again to have you on the show again because you are just amazing. <laughs> and I think thank that you. these conversations are so important for us to have because again, people just have this, uh, institutionalized mindset of sex and that it needs to be regulated and all of and you mm-hmm. know we can get into like okay the regulation of women's bodies versus men's bodies and the regulation of black bodies versus non-black bodies but we won't do that here um but <laughs> it's so many so much so much great information in this conversation i want to say thank you again Just let the people know how they can reach you i'm also going to put it in the show notes so people will okay. be able to click on uh the links but let everyone know mm-hmm. what you have going on what you have coming up um and okay. yeah i know we're gonna continue to stay connected uh but yeah just-
1: absolutely yes yeah, so um you can see all the things at jet dot i'm on social media uh under jet setting jasmine in some way shape or format there's a lot of a lot of knocking us off of these different platforms so please make sure you check out the website so that you can have direct right contact with um with me please get to know my partner king noir as well i think that um you will be fascinated because i'm always fascinated by him as well we have so much we have an adult toy line um, so everything from insertables to penetratables that's right things you can insert and things you can penetrate um just recently launched the uh, jasmine's garden penetratable Um, we have floggers and all kinds of things to whip, um, from whips to chains and, uh, harnesses. I have a femdom journal that's coming out very soon. And so many, so many delicious films on RoyalFetishXXX.com to inspire you to get into some yummy kinky shit, whether it is black romance, um, or black hardcore, content is up there. So please enjoy and then I'm on all of the premium all the premium sites. Whatever you're subscribed to, just type in Jessai Jessica. I'm on there. Trust me, I'm on there. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm on there. (laughs)
0: uh yeah so guys go check out jet set and jasmine go check out king noir go check out royal fetishes royal fetish films right royal fetish films but all of the information will be in the show notes on that Mm -hmm. note we out before you go i want to remind you to embrace your inner hoe Thank you for tuning in to Provocative, and don't forget to follow us on all streaming platforms. Happy hoeing. P-R-H-O-E-V-O-C-A-T-I-V-E. Spell with the wire hoe, because deep down, we all got some hoeing us. And this is your safe space to be unapologetically provocative. Oh, is my ground too masculine? You put the nigga in missionary yeah. What the fuck? because this shit is wild. <laughs>